0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Reef Talk. This is going to be episode four, guys. It's crazy how quick uh, we're coming along, episode four. Uh, But I want to thank each and every one of you that has uh, really been giving me that positive feedback. Even some of you uh, emailing us over on our website, giving us the constructive criticism. Obviously, we need uh, to grow as a podcast. Because at the end of the day, we're here to bring what's entertaining to you, what you want to be listening to, whether when you're doing a water change, working on your tank, Uh, going to work or you know just laying in bed we want to listen to a great podcast so our end goal here at the reef talk is really to deliver the ultimate uh, reefing experience for you so no matter where you are i mean even at work i mean probably don't tell your boss i told you that but even at work you can probably be listening to us so in today's episode we are going to be covering guys obviously some of you already read the title but we're going to be covering the importance of testing your water and i think this is going to be an important topic for everyone whether you're new in the hobby, whether you're looking to get in the hobby, or even if you've been in the hobby for a while, I think you're going to uh, see a lot of value in this episode. Uh, there's people like me that you know we get to a certain level in this in this hobby, and of course, I'm nowhere near where a lot of people are, uh, but we tend to lag a little bit when it comes to testing. And then, sure enough, our corals start acting up, our water starts doing weird stuff, algae, so on and so forth. And at the end of the day. The one to blame is really us. You know, we weren't sitting on top of the tank. We weren't doing the testing we should be doing. Um, And I don't know about you guys, but in my uh, personal tank, my objective is to keep everything as happy as possible, having it looking as great as possible, um, and really giving us the inside look to that, to the chemistry, is going to be testing. So today what we are going to be having, we're having a guest speaker come in uh, today. I'm going to save that here for a little bit later. Uh, But here at the very beginning, I want to talk about how important testing is, and I'm also going to cover some basics on what you should be testing, and generally uh, what levels you should be shooting for. Now, guys, for you guys that do have a tank that's up and running, or even you guys that are starting out, I don't want you to take this podcast. Uh, you know, if your numbers are off by a little bit, don't do sudden changes in your tank. Um, any changes you do, obviously, do your research, know what you're doing, uh, and don't. You know, if you are going to make an adjustment in your tank, whether alkalinity, calcium. Uh, Phosphate, anything of that sort, uh, do them very, very, very slow. Last thing I want you to do is to listen to this podcast, uh, go back to your tank, do a water test and start, you know, tinkering with every single parameter. Uh, Because not only are you going to stress out your coral, but the last thing I'd want to see is you to lose, um, you know, those great colonies you may have. So without further ado, guys, we're going to really jump right uh, right into it. And really, I, I think a lot of people at the very beginning when you get started in the hobby, Water testing is something that you probably didn't even know you were going to have to be doing uh, in a reef tank. You know, in freshwater, it's typically uh, not that important, although there is parameters that you don't want to be checking for. Um, but in a saltwater aquarium, there's basic parameters that absolutely have to be in check. Um, and, you know, even if you're a person out there that's saying why do weekly water change is still very important. You know, if you have coral in your reef tank, it's very important that we do testing. Because we have to look. So the coral is not going to wake up one day and tell us when it needs calcium, when it needs magnesium, when it needs alkalinity. So it's our job as the reef keeper or the water keeper or whatever you want to call yourself, uh, to take care of them. You know, that's our responsibility. We took these corals out of the sea. So it's our responsibility to take care of them, try and give them the best life we can give them, um, in our home. So one of the main important things you really want to be testing for, if you're not testing for anything at all, the basic fundamentals, um, and I'm going to name them in really no specific order. Uh, you want to be testing salinity. Uh, so salinity, for you guys in our aware, that just tells you how uh, salty, if you will, uh, the water is. Uh, so there's various different uh, ways of testing this. There's refractometers, uh, which in a nutshell, refractometer, you put a little drop on a piece of glass. It's a tool you use, uh, and the light is refracted in a certain way that allows you uh, to see it through a little... Uh, it's like a little, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like a little scope you can look into and there's different increments for, uh, the refraction of the light and and it's, it's measured there. I'm sure if you Google refractometer, you're gonna be able to see exactly what I'm talking about. But another one is a hydrometer. Hydrometer is one that I haven't used. So I don't know too much about it. The little I do know is it's a little, uh, cup that has a a lever inside and depending on the salinity will depend on how buoyant that little uh, dial is, and that'll display in a readout, uh, you know, what your salinity is at. And kind of the easier ones, um, there's other ones that you literally put a drop or you use a probe to put in your water, and that gives you a digital readout. And I think at the end of the day, you guys can probably see the value on a digital readout. Um, there's really no room for human error. Um, they are typically hold their calibration a lot longer, uh, so those are kind of the basics when it comes to salinity and kind of the the, the parameter you want to be shooting for when it comes to salinity, the number, um, is anywhere from 0.024 uh, to 0.027. seven. Uh, two seven starts to be a little bit on the high side, but I personally have actually run my tank that high um, without any issues that I could see. And generally, you don't want to run it lower than 0.024 that's not saying you can't get away with 0.023 or maybe even 2.2, uh, but corals really start to suffer when it's too low. Um, and they also suffer when it's too high. So like I mentioned before, it's a real uh, big balancing act when it comes to keeping saltwater aquariums. And uh, you got to be sure you kind of keep uh, those levels within those uh, margins. So again, if your tank, if you go and test your tank and it's crazy out of whack, don't try and, and automatically correct it. <clears throat> Do it over time. If it's been doing well for a while, uh, make small adjustments with it. But as long as you're in the two, four to two, six range, I wouldn't, you know, be worried about it. Uh, so try to make sure you always keep that there. Another very important, uh, part of this is going to be alkalinity. So one of the more important topics uh, I want to cover here in parameters and the fundamental parameter in your reef tank is going to be alkalinity. So this is one that your coral really depends on. Um, obviously, there's also calcium and magnesium, um, but really alkalinity is one that they'll react to very quickly if it goes out of whack at any given time. So generally speaking, uh, there's a few test kits out on the market. You know, I've never tried every single one of them, so I can't name every single brand. I know Red Sea is one of them. Solifert is another one. API is another one. Uh, The one I personally use is the HANA Instruments one. Why? Very simple. It's a digital readout. At the end of the day, you're only, I always tell people this, you're only as good as your test kit. So if your test kit isn't the best, guess what? Your readings aren't going to be the best. Your tank isn't going to be probably as healthy as you'd like it to see. Um, and you know, with a lot of the non-digital test kits out there, the, what I call dropper test kits, it's, there's a very big margin for human error. And that big margin, I mean, for me and my reef tank, you know, I want to have it as best as I can have it. I want to offer my corals the best environment I can. So that's why I personally go with the HANA instruments because it's very simple. Um, I think the alkalinity test, uh, tester I'm not lying to you guys. It takes me like probably a minute to complete. It's very simple, very easy to use. And I think the most important part, you get a digital readout from it. So when it comes to alkalinity, guys, uh, alkalinity is a very, very broad uh, range that your corals will will accept. I think in the reefing community, we've all come to agree anywhere from 6.0 up to 12.0. Now, 6 being a little bit on the low side. Uh, seven is kind of in, in the more proper range, but I have seen people keep it at six. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm sure some of you have seen probably my YouTube video. Um, I had a fluval tank about a year ago and I purposely ran a test on alkalinity and kept it at 5.5 for about a month and a half. Um, and I, I think with, with corals that you really learn to understand very quickly, they don't care as much as the number as they do care about the stability. So 5.5 is something I'm not recommending you to do. That's just something I did for testing purposes. Um, but one thing I did learn in that is that corals adapt and they love uh, consistency over a specific number. So if you were to ask me, what's the ideal number you should shoot for? I would say stay anywhere from 8.0 to like 10.0. Um, and if you, if let's say you go and test your tank today and you're not happy with whatever value it is, Don't make more than a 1.0 change, or yeah, 1.0 change in a day. So if you want to go from let's say seven to eight, allow at least two days. So do two different doses to achieve that, Uh, because corals, technically speaking, with alkalinity, uh, they don't like more than a 1.0 change um, as far as dKH is concerned in a day. So that's very important. But like I said, as long as you're in a range of 7.0 or sorry, 8.0 to 10.0, you should be perfectly fine. Um, and remember, guys, more important than the number is going to be how stable that number stays. Uh, so kind of moving on from there, from the alkalinity, another very important one is going to be your calcium. So calcium is a very important building block. I mean, just like us in our skeletons, uh, our bones are made out of calcium. Coral skeletons are also made out of calcium. So you can see this is kind of the base. This is the foundation. Of so sort of, I guess an analogy I could use if you were to look at a home. The home's only is probably as strong as a foundation it's standing on, right? So the concrete or, you know, where I live, I know it's concrete here in California. Uh, but having a strong foundation is very important. That's why it's very important that we also keep the calcium levels uh, within range. So again, just like with alkalinity, there's the same brands out there uh, to test your alkalinity. But you run into the same thing. I personally use a Hanna Checker. Why? Because again, it's a digital readout. It completely takes out the human error. More important than taking out the human error, it's a very simple test to use. One thing when you start testing and you start testing often, you're going to notice as time goes on, if a test test kit is hard to use, you're going to be less prone to use it. You're going to be a lot more lazy. You're going to not be looking forward to do your testing if it's hard to use. And I think Hannah has really locked that down uh, with making testing easy. Honestly, guys, I personally look forward to testing my parameters Um, and it's, you know, I can only point it to HANA just because they've made it so easy. I used to use API and API was a nightmare. Tried Red Sea, too many steps, takes weight. There's a certain test, um, magnesium, I think, if I remember correctly. I kid you guys not. It takes like nine, about 15 minutes for the total, the total, uh, test, which is ridiculous. I mean, you know, sometimes I don't have 15 minutes. So yeah, that's one thing I didn't like about the, the magnesium. Uh, from, from Red Sea. But another, um, another good pointer for when it comes to calcium, generally speaking, uh, the range I've seen that's pretty acceptable is anywhere from 300 to 500. Um, if you were to ask me, three to 400 is kind of in the ballpark you want to stay. I think my specific tank runs at, uh, three, I think 320, 320 to 350. And for calcium, if you are going to make any changes to it, uh, trying to not change more than, uh, 100 ppm, So let's say if for any reason your, your tank is uh, super low, let's say at 200, uh, which it shouldn't be that low. But if it is and you're going to 300, allow at least a day or break up uh, the doses uh, to come up 100 ppm in a day. Uh, But generally speaking, you're going to find a lot of the salts out there are about the 300 to 350 range, some in the 450, uh, like Red Sea Coral Pro. Uh, But generally speaking, three to 450 is a good range you can shoot for. And just like any other, other parameters, guys. Don't focus so much on the number, but focus more on the stability. And kind of the last major element that uh, we should be testing for in our reef tank uh, is going to be magnesium. So magnesium magnesium is a very interesting uh, parameter. Without magnesium, calcium and alkalinity don't get consumed at the proper rate. And actually, if magnesium is off, it's going to throw out of whack your alkalinity and calcium. So magnesium is a really big fundamental uh, parameter. That I think is often overlooked. Um, and as far for, you know, magnesium, I've seen levels from 1200 uh, to 1400. Uh, generally speaking, I think I keep my tank, I think I keep mine at 1380, if I remember correctly. And that's kind of what I shoot for. Now, when it comes to magnesium test kits, I may be wrong here. Uh, but i believe sadly hannah instruments does not have a magnesium test kit for salt water so i personally have to resort to either solifer um, api or red sea i personally use red sea and i absolutely hate doing that test why because it takes like 15 minutes to do so hopefully hannah can answer our prayers hopefully they're listening or they get to listen to this and maybe they'll come out with the magnesium test kit because i think we'll all all be in love with that <laughs> so those are kind of the four um, basic parameters you want to be looking out for. The other two that I kind of left out uh, and I covered in the previous video for nutrients is going to be nitrate and phosphate. So nitrate, generally speaking, nitrate can keep be kept anywhere from 1 all the way up to about 50 ppm. Um, that's generally a good rule. I personally keep mine, I think, at 20. Uh, so 10 to 20 is a pretty good range to be acceptable um, and for phosphate, generally speaking, you want to keep those as close as you can to zero, but you don't want to get to zero. So a good acceptable range for uh, phosphate is 0.03 up to 0.09 is what I've found uh, generally is accepted in the reefing community. I personally keep it at 0.03. And for nitrate, um, I didn't mention this, but for nitrate, again, I don't think Hannah makes a tester for that. So I what do I use for nitrate? nitrate. I started using red Sea, but that one was super complicated. And then I went to Salifert. It's like two steps and you're done. It's very simple. It's done in, I I think, about three minutes. And then when it comes to phosphate, thankfully, HANA does have um, a phosphate tester. So that's obviously very simple. There's other companies that have it. But again, why I use HANA? Because it's very easy to use. It's a digital readout. and completely takes out the human error, Uh, which again... Anytime there's no human error, it's just going to make uh, your testing a lot more accurate. Now, kind of um, the last uh, way to test your parameters, and this is, I mean, not something you want to count on, I mean, unless you got a lot of money to blow, uh, but you can do ICP test. So ICP is where you send your water out uh, to be tested and they run, I don't know, about 40 parameters um, are run through that. So that's something you can do, but something not ideal because your water has to be shipped to Germany. It takes about a few weeks uh, to get back. And obviously, if you got the money to do it, you got the time. By all means, do ICP test You know, every few weeks. And generally speaking, guys, uh, when it comes to water testing, I recommend at least every two weeks. Uh, two weeks is, is a good point to test all your parameters. Um, I mean, it it can realistically go as far as a month, but you don't want to be going as far as a month until your tank is really situated um really consistent. Because whenever a tank is new, parameters are going to be fluctuating a lot. Um, Alkalinity is going to fluctuate a lot. Calcium is going to fluctuate a lot. Uh, phosphates, nitrates are going to fluctuate a lot until it really gets uh, settled in. So that's kind of in a nutshell, guys, the whole part of testing. And it's just really important we do that. Because remember, guys, ultimately, we have reef tanks in our home because we want them to look really good Um, I don't think anyone I know has a reef tank in their home, so it can look horrible and stuff be dying. Um, (laughs) You know, maybe there is someone out there looking for that, that result, but everyone I know is just looking for the best results. And that's why it's very important that we keep our parameters in check. um, Because without that, guys, we're just never going to have the success, the growth, the color we're looking for. Um, I have so many people always messaging me, you know, about something like, Hey, how come this coral's lost color? Hey, how come this coral's not happy? And it's so sad to see, I ask these people, what are your parameters? And they have absolutely no idea. A lot of people actually go to the LFSs and get the parameters done there. But you got to realize these a lot of these LFSs, they don't have the best parameters or the best testers. And I think the convenience of you having it at home, you can address an issue, uh, just makes it a lot more convenient. So guys, as promised, we do have a guest speaker here today. Actually, this guest speaker is from a very, very reputable uh testing company. I think that alone already gave it away. Um but yeah this company has been doing test kits for quite a while, not only in reefing, but just generally um test kits for I think everything. Uh so guys, please give a warm, warm welcome from Hannah Instruments, the one and only Kevin Acasa. So Kevin, how are we doing today?
1: I am doing very well, Antonio. Thank you for that uh, gracious introduction. This is very well appreciated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so man, yeah, I mean Give us a little bit of a background story of Hanna. Um, as far as I'm aware, I've been on your guys' website, and there's you guys don't just cater to saltwater. I see you guys cater to tons of other industries. I mean, give us a little bit more of a background story of Hanna um, and how long you guys been doing it and what exactly you guys offer.
1: Yeah, well, Hannah in and of itself is not an aquarium company at all. We actually are a chemical, a manufe- chemical instrumentation manufacturer, so... We make over 3,000 products. We operate in over 65 countries, and we work for about 20 different industries. So we do everything from helping wastewater treatment plants treat their water. We do things like helping beer brewers uh, develop uh, instrumentation to measure a variety of parameters in beer and wine. We do food safety stuff. We do stuff in pharmaceuticals and education and research. So um, pretty much, you know, almost every uh, Almost any industry that revolves around testing, we have some sort of product that will work in that industry in some way, shape, or form. So, uh, Hannah itself is not an aquarium company. Actually, the aquarium market is one of our smaller markets, to be honest with you. Um, but we, you know, we'll do things like from the food you eat on your shelf, we'll make sure that the proper sodium levels are there or make sure there's not any uh, potential harmful contaminants in there. Um, Hannah's also just, we've been doing this for about over 40 years. Um, it's a family owned company, too, oh, wow. believe it or not. Yeah, so it was started by an Italian chemist uh by the name of Oscar Nardo who uh who came here and then his son now runs the company uh and it's still family owned, still privately owned and you know we pretty much manufacture everything ourselves and uh own our manufacturing plant and we make most of the stuff here in Rhode Island and also in our plant in Romania. Wow. I mean it
0: it's it's pretty safe to say based off what you said um now I see why your test kits are so accurate and just so easy to use it. Obviously you guys Easily know what you're doing. You guys—it sounds like you guys have been doing it for a while. But more importantly, I mean, just that you guys do stuff in the food uh, grade industry—that alone kind of tells me your you guys' test are surely top notch.
1: Oh yeah, and um, yeah, when you get a product by hand, they, they kind of would sta- Where we stand out, I think, in the aquarium industry more so than other companies, when you start looking at uh, analytical chemistry companies, you know those things like specifications, accuracy statements, uh, publishing our methods. So you know, you were talking about the phosphate test before. That's the same test that the EPA would use for phosphate analysis. Uh, we, oh, God, okay. we, we pretty much uh, use published methods. We don't, like, we're not creating our own methods. We're using things that the scientific literature uh, deems as accurate. And what, what I mean by method, in the world of chemistry, a method is, you know, something that you can look up in the literature and see, oh, this is how it works. This is how the chemistry works. So we're very transparent yeah. with well, when you go and do a test of Hannah, you can look at the little little yellow card that it comes with and see, you know, what the method is and how the chemistry works. If you're so inclined to go look that up. <laughs> yourself.
0: Yeah, no, no. And it's, it's, you know, the fact that you guys are so transparent just really shows that you guys really stand behind your product. You know, a lot of companies won't give that stuff because they kind of don't want you to know that stuff. But uh, being as transparent as you guys are, has really, uh, you know, allowed me to believe so much and trust uh, the the test kits I use from you guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if we're not accurate, then we have no credibility in the industry that we operate in. So accuracy and, and scientific integrity is most important for us. And you
0: know, one, one thing, and I've never told you this, uh, Kevin, but I, I, do, I do quite a bit of, of ICP testing. So I've sent my water out. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever mentioned this in my videos, my Instagram, or to anyone. But last time I sent, I, I sent my ICP test, I purposely did a water test the day before, purposely with my hand instruments. And I cuz I wanted to see I said how accurate are these these tests? I mean, you probably have more of an insight than I do. Roughly, what's the cost of one of those ICP test machines? I mean, they're in the millions, aren't they?
1: Well, I I don't know about millions per se, but I know that you can get them for around 100 grand to 200 grand. Wow. Um, so, wow. Yeah, they they definitely they definitely go up there. There's that's a whole field of something called gas chromatography where you have mass specs and ICP-OES and all these crazy acronyms for different crazy uh, crazy sounding test methods like time of flight, liquid gas chromatography, and all what this. What the heck yeah, are we talking about? There's some stuff that gets really <laughs> nuts out there where they could tell you the the molecular breakdown of every single atom inside a molecule. But as the more complex it gets, the more expensive it gets.
0: Um, oh, of so course, of course. And kind of, kind of where I'm going with it. So I did my test, and I I was like, okay, I got a fifty dollar test kit here, or a fifty dollar yeah test kit here in front of me. How accurate is it compared to this hundred thousand dollar machine that I'm sending it to? So, sure enough, I did my test, and dude, I kid you not, your guy's alkalinity was off by maybe point. I think point six. Yeah. Point six. Calcium was off by point twenty. Um, dude, I, I was blown away. Um, the salinity was off by. I think the salinity was dead on. It. It was just so reassuring to see that this hobby, what we call a hobby grade test kit is almost as accurate as a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar um ICP test machine.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think the the world of ICP testing and the aquarium market kind of coming into this industry. I mean ICP testing has been around for a lot of industries for
0: for a long time.
1: Yeah. yeah but yeah. in terms of how they've been able to to reach the aquarium market, I think that they do things that a checker would like measuring trace metals and measuring potential contaminants yep. that Quite frankly, I don't think a $50 instrument will ever really be able to do accurately for certain no, no, parameters. No, no,
0: of, no. Of course, of course. Yeah,
1: so they're definitely offering a great service. I do, you know, I, I so part of me is also slightly apprehensive uh, only because, you know, it depends on the, like you said before, that you ship these things off to Germany. They wait three weeks in the mail. What if it freezes? What if some stuff gasses yeah. off? Uh.
0: All right, Kevin. So it seems the, the, the call dropped there a little bit. Uh, hopefully, we're able to kind of pick up where we left off there. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was just so amazing to see how accurate, um, your guys' test kits were, uh, to this ICP. Um, I mean, that, that was just, just great to see.
1: Yeah. ICP is a definitely a wonderful thing that has been, uh, made available in the hobby. Um, I'm really happy to see that people are getting more interested in testing now, especially with the, uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of these different companies pop it up and people are willing to spend 50, you know, sixty, forty 40 bucks per test just to kind of get a, Protest. Uh, yeah, just uh, you know, a, a a real, a broad looking a glimpse. Yeah, exactly. At that time, yeah, period, a glimpse in tagged. your water. Exactly. Because yeah. I, 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 I I'll go sorry, ahead. Go no, I'll I was saying I used to. No, review. I was saying. <laughs> 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 right, no,
0: I, I was going to say there, there, there's just so many parameters that I don't think test kits even exist, and I think ICP is really the only way to kind of enter that portal.
1: Oh, you know, absolutely. I remember uh, I used to do maintenance for a living uh, back in New York City, and I had a couple of clients who, you know, they had tanks, really expensive reef tanks running, and uh, there would be some issues sometimes where all the parameters would be in check. And we had no idea what was going on. And then, lo and behold, uh, we would do an ICP test and we'd find some absorb a crazy level of you know aluminum in the water and we'd find some sort of metal clamp that had fallen (laughs) in the overflow box that he had dropped in there you know and it was just deteriorating (laughs) over time and i guess it's lesson learned don't use metal don't use metal clamps (laughs) in your on your (laughs) piping so
0: no no totally yeah i think i I try and stay away from any metal yeah i'm in the reef tank just because it can fall and you can never find it you know i I actually have a cool story that one time i was fragging with a little a little like hobby knife Yep. Dude, that thing went in the sand. You know how thin they are. Went in the, yep. I could not find that thing. Oh, I yeah. could not. And finally, I, I was like, wait, why don't I just get the algae scrubber with a, with a magnet was... and just run it along the sand? Sure enough, it popped up. <laughs> there
1: you go. Well, yeah, I mean, the saltwater <laughs> yeah. corrodes everything for the most. It's probably one of the most unforgiving things in the world to, to um, you know, have the corrode metals and plastics and pumps. I mean, you just look at salt everything. people alone, Yeah, And that's also, I guess, part of no, the reason it... why we... Uh, from a chemistry standpoint, saltwater is also a terrible thing to have to test for because <clears throat> since there's so many dissolved, I mean, there's almost every element in the periodic table present in seawater for the most part. It's in seawater, of th- yeah, yeah, it's, it's an extremely, uh, you know, complex. Corrosive. Ma- yeah, corrosive and this complex matrix that, you know, there's a lot of different stuff in there and most of the stuff obviously you don't have to test for, but um, it just makes it difficult from a chemistry standpoint to, you know, make certain tests available for them and and that's part of the reason why there isn't a test for everything in saltwater that's super easy because salt seawater itself is just a harder thing to work with
0: and i I think a a big question that I've always asked myself and I'm sure a lot of people ask what makes your guy's test get so accurate? Is it the reagent is it the instrument testing and what what is it?
1: well, you know first and foremost, I think with a digital test right you're there's no subjectivity in the interpretation of the results so in the aquarium hobby, there's two main types of tests you have titration, which are. Counting drops, and and or like like your uh, red sea alkalinity, or red or salifer alkalinity, or magnesium. Those are titration mm-hmm. test kits. They're called. You're pretty much adding
0: titration. Uh, Got yeah, it.
1: that you're adding a certain solution till like, it changes color at a certain point, right? And when that Got when it. you stop, based on how much titrant you've added, which is like the little like the part C in the red sea magnesium. That's your titrant, right? Um, Based on how Got much it. you've used, that's what your level, but. <laughs> There's that, there's what's called color comparator, which is like your salifert phosphate, which is you wait for it to change color. Once it's once after a certain number of minutes, you match it to a chart. Yeah. But again, what's yeah. your, your end point is how do you know when to stop? What's the right, what's the correct endpoint? Like, is it pink? Is it purple? Is it blue? What's blue to me? Might be green yeah. to someone
0: else. No, you know. You know, what I hate, dude, is the different shades of pink, the different oh, yeah. shades of... It's like, dude, they all look the same to me. Yeah, and if you're
1: colorblind, <laughs> you're screwed. So you're
0: like oh, you're this. screwed.
1: Yeah. No, and
0: I noticed those those color matching ones, dude, it's like, the, depending on what light you have, like in that room, yep. it'll change the reading like complete. And it's not like 5 ppm. We're talking like 20, 30, 40 ppm. Yeah. So it's no. not like a little like a little discrepancy it's a huge discrepancy
1: oh yeah i mean we do things like pretty much on a regular basis where uh you know we'll have as kind of like for trainees for new employees we'll have people uh you know run a sample like run a a color comparator test with the same sample and see the kind of different results we get you know based on who's doing the test it's just uh you know it's (laughs) it's really interesting thing that you know and that goes a lot to for like local fish stores or stuff you know who's running your test result Who's doing your yeah, water testing? Absolutely. It completely could change based on the person, how they, how, so that I think that's what makes, you know, what makes us stand out is having a digital readout removes that subjectivity. Um, and you all, you're going to know, like, since we have accuracy statements in all our instruments, you're going to know that when you run a test and that number on the screen, you're going to have that plus and minus value. But as you were saying before, I think consistency is more important than anything else. Uh, you know, absolutely
0: right? i mean it, even if you're consistently wrong you're still consistent right <laughs> yeah
1: exactly yeah <laughs> no yeah, I
0: i i tell so many new people that i said even if you're consistently wrong you're still consistent
1: yeah it's true i mean where do these numbers even come from like 8 to 12 dkh 1300 mag i, I guess that that's what natural seawater is but Corals all come from different places around the world. The salinity in the Red exactly. Sea might not be the, exactly. the same as salinity in no. in Florida. So,
0: um. <laughs> exactly. No, no, totally. So, I think uh, what a few questions I've I've kind of saved up uh, sure. that a few people have have been asking, um, and I'm just going to talk about them here real quick, and then we'll go into them. Uh, one, I obviously want to talk about your new salinity probe. That's an obvious one that everybody's okay. asking, and how that compares to refractometer. Sure. But I also want to take some quick tips from you guys, the makers. What's the best way for me to get the most accurate test in mm-hmm. uh, your test kit, such as alkalinity, uh, calcium, phosphate? So what are your tips on that? And also a very important one, uh, what you guys recommend as far as storing them? Sure. I think we can cover those here in a little bit. So starting off with these, talk to me about your guys' salinity probe. So I've obviously had it for a while. I can tell you... It's the easiest thing I've ever used. Um, I don't know why you guys ain't released it sooner. <laughs> uh, but dude, t- tell me a little bit more about that because I know a lot of people are asking how does it compare to a refractometer.
1: Yeah, so I guess when you're looking at how to measure salinity, first of all, so what is salinity, right? Salinity is the measure of all the dissolved salts in the water. Um, you know, so- seawater right. is about 85% sodium chloride and you have magnesium, potassium, sulfate. There's kind of all these different things that come into play. Um, but for the most part, there's the ways you measure salinity. You have density measurements and then you have conductivity measurements or electrical conductivity measurements. Uh, refractometers okay. and hydrometers, those are using a density based measurement. So a hydrometer based on how much salts in the water, that little arm will go up or down based on, you know, how much dissolved salts in the water. But refractometers, what it's doing is based on, you, you, you put a little a dab of seawater on a plate based on, uh, the, the amount of dissolved solids in that water. It'll tell you how fast or how slow light travels through a prism, and that's how it gets that reading. Uh what a connectivity meter is, is it's measuring, uh which our salinity tester is, it's a, a connectivity meter. It's measuring the transfer of ions from one one atom to another atom. And that's a kind of a known uh chemical <clears> equation, but you you can you can know that okay, based on the the speed at which this electron transfers from another electron, you can get a reading called an electrical conductivity reading. And that's how you transit that into salinity. And I guess um the the scientific community i mean we've been using uh you know, connectivity meters for salinity measurements for years um uh, we've always had them out it's just they've been out of the price point of any hobbyist. we use them and you know I, I sell them to public aquariums all the time we you know uh, aquaculture farms will use them or anyone doing like wastewater treatment or, or uh, environmental monitoring will use the salinity probes and they're they've been around for years but we were just able to kind of uh, create a more affordable one for the hobbyist market because we knew there was a you know, a need to kind of, to have something new in the market and have something that you can calibrate and it's waterproof and it floats and, you know, just made it really easy for the hobbyist. And, um, I guess the real reason of how it differs from a refractometer is, um, there are things in seawater that can affect the density that don't affect the salt concentration. So fish waste, uneaten foods, anti-caking agents and salt. Um, you can do a little test by this yourself is you take a little glass of your seawater, you put like a little mm-hmm. teaspoon of sugar in there, for example. You're going to notice the refractometer reading is going to go through the roof, but your east, your, your salinity meter reading is not going to change. You didn't change the salt concentration, oh, wow. but you changed the density. Right. Cause oh. so, and refractometers have been great for years, but we've just noticed that in the scientific community, no one uses them. If you're a researcher at an aquarium, you don't use a refractometer. <laughs> you use a, yeah, uh, no, no. use a conductivity meter. <laughs> so um, that's just part of the reason why, I mean, you could have like a, a tank with a you you feed your fish like crazy, or let's say you just decided to do a salinity measurement while you're doing a feeding. You get some fish food on your refractometer, and, and when you suck it up with your little pipette, and that's going to affect the seawater, the the density reading. Um, and then there's there's temperature and stuff too, like on the refractometers, um, that little plate, you know, the the ATC <laughs> as you hear. That plate, if that Mm -hmm. that temperature changes, um, that's going to affect the reading too. But the nice thing about our salinity tester is it's measuring the temperature, but also compensating the difference.
0: Dude, you don't know how tired I got of that um, (laughs) on the refractometer. Because I mix my salt in the garage, mm-hmm. and then I would go upstairs and pump it. Dude, downstairs, it would be one reading. Upstairs, it'd be completely oh, different reading. It's huge. So at the beginning, I made the mistake of not learning to calibrate it in the new environment. So I was adjusting the salt and, dude, throwing everything out of whack.
1: Yeah, I mean, temperature and salinity <clears throat> go hand in hand. I mean, it's crazy to me how much of a difference you'll get in just 10 or 15 degrees with the salinity reading. Oh, yeah. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's I think that's the biggest advantage is you could use this thing, it's gonna compensate the difference or anything. And the fact that you could drop it in your bucket and just, you know, it floats and it's waterproof just makes it so. Not much be easier. worried. Yeah.
0: Exactly. No, and I I think I I really like I think the biggest selling point to me on not only your refractometer, not your refractometer, but your your salinity probe, just like any other test kit you offer, is you guys have calibration solutions. So you know exactly if your tester is on point. If it needs to be sent in to get checked out, or if it needs to get replaced, or whatever the case is.
1: Oh yeah, and that's one really important point you just reminded me of is that calibration solution cannot be used on a refractometer because again, it goes back to the point of refractometers or density, and this is elect- the other one's conductivity. It's it's not a refractometer standard; it's a conductivity standard. And without getting Got too it. crazy, it's like it's pretty much like you know, one is a certain amount of electrolytes, when, when ones uh, refractometer standards are based off of. How much grams of salt are added in, you know, uh, a certain amount of water, pretty much. But yeah, so some, some people try yeah. putting our refract our <laughs> calibration solution on a refractometer and it reads very low. That's on purpose. It's not meant to be read on a refractometer. So <laughs> I noticed some people Got try it. to Got do it. that, it. and, and it's, it was like throwing <laughs> some people off. So
0: no, but that makes total sense because it, it's it's your guys' uh, calibration. It's measuring the the electrode in the water, obviously Correct. conductivity and how conductive it is. That makes total sense
1: correct exactly yeah and it's that, it's it's so we're we're basing it off of um what the it's called the if you look at the man of the international oceanographic tables it's just you know the the literature that is published is based off of that you know that equation so that's we just follow what the literature says it. and we, we were just able to kind of create one that's a little more affordable than some other things in the market
0: no i think honestly dude i think you guys nailed it uh because there's other salinity probes on the market but one thing i didn't like about those dude they're not you can't calibrate them. Yeah, it's like, come on, how can you? It's like, all right, whatever. But <laughs> the fact that you, you I know, I forgive you guys for taking a little bit longer because you guys released, <laughs> in my opinion, a stellar product. I think so. You see all over Instagram, dude. Everybody's yeah. pumped and showing it. And dude, I believe it or not, like I don't know if it's just me, but I get excited every time I need to mix of water. Now uh, it's like it's so fun. I just put it in, done. Put it in, done. Now, when it comes, one thing I did have a question for you. When I'm done using this, mm-hmm. um, what um, could I use tap water? Should I use RODI to in what? What should I be doing?
1: Uh, oh, it's always best to use RODI with anything because as I tell people, same with rinsing your cubettes or anything, tap water is an unknown variable. You have no idea what's in your tap water, right? There could no, be lead. There can yeah. be aluminum, whatever. So. <laughs> ROGI is always better. Like never rinse your cuvettes with tap water because you're gonna probably run into issues, especially with the calcium checker. Um, but yeah. yeah, there's a tap ROGI is always better, and usually you know just rinse it under some purified water, RO or ROGI, and just dry it with a paper towel and just put it away. You'd be fine. It's a very easy free It's a very maintenance free piece of equipment. It should last years and years and years. There's no solutions in it or anything like that. So. Try not to drop it. You know, keep it dry, keep it clean when you are not using it, and everything should be fine.
0: Easy enough. So, an, another another thing I, I I wanted to touch on, and that's great, you covered some great points there on the salinity. Let's say your calcium alkalinity, uh, your phosphate. Uh, what? Because I am sure you guys have tips. Oh, yeah. What tips do you guys have to make each each of those more accurate?
1: Yeah, I think so. With the starting with the alkalinity, one of the most important things that I've run into is <laughs> the liquid reagent is very pH sensitive. Um, it's, it's, so pretty much okay. what you're doing is you're adding the reagent to the seawater and based off, it's an acid. So based off of the, um, the change in the, the color, it, the, that's what the checker's measuring. They're measuring the color change, right? So kind of doing what your eyes are, your eyes, doing what your eyes used to do pretty much. Um, but Got sometimes it. people will get seawater in that alkaline reagent and then that whole bottle's kind of ruined now. Um, because if, if you change the pH of that bottle at all, you're kind of messing with the original chemistry and that's kind of going to make that whole bottle. That's why we don't make a really large bottle of it. If anyone wondered why, it's because that makes sense. we don't want to, we don't want to, I always uh, wonder, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to have people waste an entire bottle of it. So if they get, if they screw it that up, that makes total good. sense. So having a smaller sample so have smaller, you know, 25 milliliter, 20 milliliter bottle makes it you know, if it does get messed up or, you know, um if you leave it open for too long and something happens to fall into it or, you know, just keep it closed when you're not using it. Don't use your syringe for the alkalinity with anything else. So don't use that to suck up seawater, for example. Don't, don't cross
0: contaminate. Okay. Yes,
1: exactly. That's why also part yeah. of the reason we keep all the checkers in separate cases. We don't want you using the, the syringes from one test with another test, right? You, we yeah, each checker is yeah. its own little box because we want you to keep the cuvettes for that test <laughs> and everything for that test for that test. Kind of one little yeah, thing totally. that we've done.
0: Okay, okay. So that that's for alkalinity. Now, what what can you tell us for the uh, the calcium? What what can we do as as users to make that more accurate?
1: Yeah. So I think you've made a great video on it. So whoever hasn't watched your channel, <laughs> uh, eat sleep brief, uh, doing a calcium checker video, highly recommend it because you hit on pretty much every major point possible. But to sum it all up. Uh, make sure that, that test requires uh, a large amount of DI water. Make sure the DI water you're using is, uh, you know, very, very pure. And if it's not pure, you can use ones that we sell or certain brands of distilled water will work. Um, never rinse your with tap water with that test. Uh, that test, you know, like I said, if there's a lot of calcium in your tap water and there's any residual amount of calcium left over in your, your vials after cleaning them, then theoretically you could be throwing off the results. Um And also with that test. Because it,
0: it probably builds a wall on the glass, I'm assuming, right? The calcium.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's something called adsorption. It's when something binds to glass. So, yeah, that's a common problem <laughs> with ahead. a lot of different tests. Like phosphates It's a huge problem with too. Like phosphates will bind to glass. So it's one of those things you want to make sure you rinse them out really good. But the calcium test, make sure you're... Using the, the same water that you would run the test, the same DI water to clean it out too. So you don't want to cross contaminate with tap water or something like that. And then, um, yeah, just, you know, being consistent with your measurements, using your scissors to cut along the dotted line of the packet. Um, make, you know, yep, make sure yep. you know how to use the, the, um, the tips of the pipettes and the syringes correctly. Um, like with both the alkalinity and the calcium test, we use that little one mil syringe that with a one mil tip. That tip is for yeah, yeah. all the reagents should be inside that tip when using it correctly. So none of it gets the actual syringe portion.
0: Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay.
1: So pretty much basic ones. And then for the phosphates, <laughs> you know, never, you don't want to ever use uh, tap water with that again. And, uh, something that I like to do too sometimes is, um, if you have like an, uh, a dilute acid, like just sometimes they have like pH down solution or something like that. It's not ever bad. a bad idea to occasionally acid wash your glassware. Um, it's a common practice in the, in the chemistry world. And it's pretty much, if you work in a lab, you acid wash everything, especially with nutrients mm-hmm. analysis. And that, again, it's, this is, this is not just for our test kit. This is for every test kit across the board. If you, if you're currently testing with a salivar test kit or a red sea test kit, it doesn't matter that it's a salad. They're still testing phosphates. They're still using probably a similar method and phosphates don't change based on what test kit you have. So acid washing your Got glassware it. for any test is not a bad idea. It's you can use like a, you know, dilute, um, you know, pH down buffer. I don't like vinegar just because uh, there's vinegar can be a little bit iffy sometimes, but you know, like a pH down or anything you would use. Like <laughs> they have like that Toonzy makes that like citric acid stuff that like you can clean. Oh, your-
0: yeah. Dude, that stuff is really good. Yeah.
1: yeah it works really well to clean off all like the coral allergy and detritus and stuff off your pumps and things like that. So uh, anything like that would be a bad idea. you just let you let your cuvettes just sit and a bath of that stuff, you know. Uh, And also, I know the checkers don't come with it, uh, but using a syringe to fill up your cubettes, 10 mil syringe is definitely a better idea than just matching up the line. Yes, Yeah,
0: no, that's something I've seen people put the tester in the tank and I'm like, dude, what if there's a little bit of reagent in there and that gets in your Uh, tank?
1: (laughs) That's definitely not a good (laughs) idea. Um, No,
0: I've seen people do that. I'm like, no, don't do that.
1: Yeah, it's (laughs) something you want to watch out for. But I think overall, you know, uh, the checkers are kind of made to be relatively, you know, easy to use. And um, I think just following some basic guidelines like that. And, oh, another thing, too, is uh, always check your expiration dates. That's a really big one. Sometimes people don't test yes. very often. Yes. They go to use a reagent, and they find out it's been expired for six months. That's not going to be something you want to use to test accurately with. So
0: That that makes total sense. And kind of since we're on this topic of, of uh, maintenance a little bit, um, I want to touch on something that I, I – I know a lot of people do not know about you guys and your testers is that you guys have calibration solutions. So talk a little bit about calibration solutions that you guys offer, why they are important and how often we should be doing them. I know I do mine every two to three months. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say about those.
1: Yeah. So for the checkers specifically, <laughs> they, since they, they actually are the least expensive. The the checkers are what's called a photometric device or a photometer. It's a handheld little photometer, and um, the, those those calibration kits for those checkers are more more accurately called validation kits. So they're not actually changing anything with the checker per se, but what it's doing is it's making sure your checker is functioning correctly. So got it. Like that, the, what you get in a little calibration kit is you're getting two vials and one vial is a blank, one vial is a a color standard, and that color standard matches. You know, five dkh on the the dkh checker or four hundred ppm on the calcium checker, and so if if you get a reading of like you know five point one, you know your checker is okay because it's within the accuracy statement of a point three dkh, right? But if you're if you get a reading of like seven, then something is wrong, you know, with your checker, whether the the light source is burning out or (laughs) what something is going on. And all the checkers are under a year warranty, so if there's ever an issue within the first year of buying them, just give us a call. The numbers on the box of the checkers, and we'll replace it for you. Uh, we're very good at technical support stuff with that. But um, yeah, so that that's pretty much what they use for. Um, some of the more advanced instruments we have, which are more expensive, obviously, you actually can readjust the lights a little bit, like the, whether it's the intensity or stuff. But on a, on a, they also have like internal computers, and you're looking at something that's like three, four hundred dollars versus something that's fifty dollars.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, totally. Got okay. it. No, and I, I think, yeah, I mentioned so many people that I use those. And like, wait, what are you talking about? They make that? <laughs> so I think so many people out there, even listening to us, are going to be like, wait, they actually make these? Yeah. It's, so <clears throat> probably something they're going to want to check out.
1: It's just that extra level of security to make sure, like, okay, was this an Just off to make test? sure. Right, right, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in and, and kind of, you already covered on the last topic I mentioned um, with how to kind of maintain these. Um, and it's really just rinsing them with RODI. Now, do you recommend to store them with RODI water in them or just rinse them with RODI and leave them empty?
1: I don't think it's necessarily too. <clears throat> so what I always like to do, so with like the phosphate test or the alkalinity test, I personally like to rinse my vials with sample before, with salt water before I run the test. So that's just because mm. let's say there's a little bit of DI water left in the vial. Maybe you didn't see it. You don't want to dilute the sample at all with, with fresh water. So just giving with it, a, water, that's yeah. why a part of the reason too with, um, if you've ever done an ICP test, they tell you to rinse those vials three times in salt water first. That's to make sure that yep. anything left over in the vials isn't going to affect the test results. Same thing with the checkers Got too. It. So you can always do that. Got it. Um, in terms of storing the actual physical checker part, um, I always like to keep everything that the checker came with inside its own case. Now you don't, if you don't want to use the cases because some of them are a little bulky. You know, I've seen people with, like makeshift toolboxes or whatever, which is awesome. I would just make sure that you, all the syringes and stuff for that checker are used with that checker only and make sure not to get the actual electronic part wet because that is not waterproof <laughs> and you don't want to. Oh, got it. Got yeah. it. And I don't like putting them under the stumps either because it's, it's very humid down there.
0: So very, no, a lot of stuff hold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So You don't want to. Got it. So, no, I think, I think we covered some great points that I know a lot of people had questions on in. Kind of the last things uh or the last thing I want to cover before we do let you go here, Kevin. I want to cover on what's on the horizon from <laughs> Hannah Instruments. Well, what's on the horizon, man? I've I've been begging for uh, nitrate. I and not only me, I'm sure everybody begging for nitrate, begging for magnesium.
1: Um, when when can we expect that? Well, um, you know, like I said, Hannah obviously is uh like we since we work in so many different industries, not just aquariums, but every industry is in need of something. And we have an amazing team of chemists in our, our research and development department. They are wonderful people, but they're also very busy. I will say that there's no specific release dates for anything, but um I think that a nitrate checker is going to be something that you might see this year. Um I know that is something we've been pushing for. Magnesium, just the test itself from a chemistry standpoint is pretty difficult. Uh, one problem that I see right off the back is a checker only has three digits on its screen, and a magnesium obviously a four digit number. Yes. So like we'd have to. Change I didn't even think screen. about that. Yeah, it's a weird little. When you start getting to manufacturing, <laughs> you start thinking of these weird little things where we got to get a new screen probably yeah. then, or something like that. So uh, I
0: didn't even think about that. You're so right on that.
1: And then also the chem, like you, you ever realize the calcium checker you use such a high dilution. It's like a hundred to one. Like very little, little salt. Very mm-hmm. little bit of salt water. And very. All, yeah, a lot of uh, RO water. Magnesium and calcium are very similar in how you test for them, so I presume in my at least, I'm not a I'm not a full blown chemist, but I think that the, the it's a similar issue with that as well. So I'm not entirely sure. Maybe our research and development team, uh, you know, has better uh, insight onto that. But um, yeah, they they there's there could be some issues with that. But I you know in the last year we have released a copper checker. We have a copper checker for seawater. Then we got our new ultra low range phosphate meter, and then we have a new salinity tester. So we've done three new products in the last year for the aquarium market, which is good. Obviously, there's definitely you know room, a lot more room to improve. And I know we have the nitrate checker, magnesium checker are definitely uh, you know two of the more popular products that people ask for all the time. So I, I would expect to see you know those kind of ones come first. But uh, there's definitely some some ideas turning uh, in the workings here for other stuff too as well. So um, yeah.
0: Dude, I think I think nit- nitrate is is one I'd be very cuz I mean let, let's face it here magnesium doesn't flac- fluctuate too much or doesn't get consumed too much uh generally speaking you can get away with a month or every two months testing it. Uh but nitrate is something I like to keep an eye on at least every 2 to 3 weeks. So, um you know, as long as it's 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 in the thoughts, oh, I, yeah. I, I think I'm happy with that. <laughs> you no, know, cuz I I agree with you. I think this year you guys have released um, a lot of products, not only a lot of products that nobody cares about, but stuff that we actually need, you know, the copper, uh, the salinity probe. I mean, you guys have been just doing a, an amazing
1: job with, with coming out with fire. Yeah. and For what it's worth. I mean, I know a lot of aquarium people don't follow the other stuff we made, but we came out with, I think 40 new meters this year alone. Um, so mm-hmm. there's definitely like <laughs> the, the RNG department is doing a lot of work. It's just, they kind of rotate through, okay, now it's this market and it's this one. They, they kind of switch a wines to, they, whoever's turn it is i guess you could say to release something so yeah um,
0: no and that, that that makes total sense because you know if, if if the reefing industry isn't your guy's biggest market you know obviously you got to take care of of your main market first
1: but it's an important market and one that we love very much no, I, like i was just, no totally we just moved into a new office in of Rhode Island. i'm actually in the process of setting up a nice little 50-pound reef tank that uh we'll be doing a whole little instagram video thing on so it's uh <laughs> You know, definitely and people in the office are, you know, all like aquariums here and a lot of the like chemists here. And even the owner himself, were all very, very fond of the reef market. and Some reefers are... Some no, and
0: that, that that's great to hear that not only do you guys make the test kits, but you guys are actually actually avid hobbyists just like us. Yes. Uh, you guys share the same love we do.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, a you know, I think a, a great hobby to get anyone involved that they want to learn about science and kind of the... The world around us. Oh, totally. Us. It'll, I mean,
0: force, it'll, it'll, it'll force you to learn it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've i always told people like, you're not really keeping fish, you're keeping a box of water, and your water mm-hmm. can be crystal clear and seem safe for fish, but you could throw things in there and everything's going to die overnight if you don't know your chemistry. So, um, chemistry yep. is the Absolutely. the, the right. most important thing, I think, in the in world of reef keeping in terms of uh, even like lighting and flow to a certain extent have to do with a little bit of chemistry too, because they all play, they all, all, all intertwine you know, lighting, flow, nutrients. They do.
0: Yeah. They, they all. It's, it's like I tell people all the time. It's, it's a perfect balance of everything. Not one factor, but all of them
1: together. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really great that you have a, a <laughs> podcast like this now, so people can actually, you know, when they're at work or doing work on their tanks, they can listen and you know, hopefully pick up some tips. I know I certainly learn a lot from listening to your podcast too, or some of your videos. So it's <laughs> definitely appreciate it. <laughs> no, thank being.
0: you, man. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, Kevin, I, I can't thank you enough. I uh, thank you. Thank Hannah for obviously allowing you to, to come on here. Um, share the insights, share the tips you guys have, share the wonderful, uh, great product you guys have had for a while. And of course, I know that's all I trust in my tank, not only me, uh, a lot of reefers out there. Um, So yeah, man, I want to thank you very much for coming on today, sharing everything, all the knowledge you have. Thank Hannah very much for everything they've done. And it was a pleasure having you. Thank you, Antonio, so
1: much. I really appreciate it. Keep going, keep doing the great work you're doing. Thank you very much, man. Take care. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon.